world markets are still excited about the possibility of a debt ceiling resolution, maybe as soon as today, or maybe not. And New Zealand's budget has seen a warning shot from S&P on their credit rating and fears that it could add to inflation as well. And Aussie jobs weaker than anticipated yesterday. So does that take the pressure off the RBA a little? And Japan's inflation today, will it keep on rising? It's Friday, the 19th of May, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So lots of hope embedded in U.S. equities overnight. Uh, they closed with the Dow up 0.3%. The S&P is up 0.9%. Uh, the Nasdaq finished up 1.5%. Real estate pulling prices back a little bit, but generally up. And rises in Europe as well with uh, 1% added to the Eurostoxx 50, a quarter percent up for the FTSE 100 at close. And bond yields are higher in the United States. Ten-year treasuries are up nine basis points, but higher in Europe, up 11 for 10-year bunds, uh, 12 for 10-year gilts, and most of Europe is uh, 11 or 12 or 13 basis points higher. Quite a move in the US dollar as well today. The DXY index has climbed 0.7%. The pound and the euro have fallen in equal measure to that and the Aussie dollar down a little less, 0.6% down to 66.2 US cents. And oil is down, 1.2% uh, down for WTI and 1.3% off Brent as well. Brent just below $76 a barrel. So let's have a look at the reasons behind those uh, rising yields, particularly in Europe, but also in the United States, and and also closer to home because Aussie 10 years were up six basis points yesterday and then another nine overnight up to 3.57%. NAB's Ken Crompton joins me from Sydney. So, I mean, you might have expected those bond yields to fall a little given the the, the employment numbers yesterday, which might have taken some of the pressure off the RBA. But I guess yields are rising everywhere because there is this hope that the debt ceiling is going to get sorted out. Possibly today, even. Yeah, good morning, Phil. Yeah, certainly with the uh, unemployment data out here yesterday, we got a surprise uptick in the in the unemployment rate. Yeah, up, up 0.2 bips to 3.7. Um, you know, you, you can you can argue yep. it was just a bit of a bit of a slight uh, slight rounding up to 3.7, but it is what it is. And I think also, you know, a big the big shock also was the employment change number coming in at minus 4,000. You know, versus expectations of around 25. So, yeah, look on the surface, you typically expect that to, to pull yields down a bit and certainly at the time of the release it did but I mean in looking at it a little bit further um, you know I mean this sort of data series is known as the labour force lottery for a reason uh, and there, there is a fair bit mm. of volatility month to month that, that's the reason why so well yeah I mean we saw because that because we saw it revised up as well so full-time jobs I was going to say that 4.3 thousand fewer uh, but full-time jobs are down 27,000. But then March's figures for full-time jobs were revised up. So l- lots of fluidity in this data, isn't there? Yeah, so the, the net wash there is, is a little bit unclear. And I think um, you know, we'll probably look to, to get another couple of data prints in there to see if there is a trend forming. Um, so at this point, we're probably sort of inclined to look through that. And if you remember back to late last year, there was a couple of um, yeah, there, there was a couple of soft prints in December and January. And, and sure, there was some clear technical reasons for January. Um, with people waiting to start new jobs. Those clear technical reasons aren't here in the data this time, uh, but still, you know, sort of nothing to sort of be panicky or, or jump at too much. Although, I mean, look, add, adding that up with um, with a soft wage price index data the previous day, you know, maybe you could start to, to spin a story about some very early weakness, but probably wait before we extrapolate that too much. And, and in terms of what the, the market did with that, that a brief, uh, yeah, br- brief bobble in yields, but then the the sort of more the sort of stronger global trend of um, of rising yields or rising treasury yields as the U.S. debt ceiling you know, issues got resolved um, sort of started to started to carry the day, particularly at the at the longer end of the curve. Well, they haven't been resolved, have they? They just 
just anticipation that they're going to be resolved. Uh, so McCarthy has said there's a, a better process and it, it's possible they're going to get a deal by the end of the week with a vote on it uh, uh, next week. So we'll 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 see how that that comes. But I guess it, it is just this anticipation that that something's going to get done. And it, yeah, it could be this week. Uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. That, that is correct. It's certainly anticipation and not uh, not anything final yet. But um, Certainly, the, you know, the, the, what the market took from that overnight certainly helped add to the sell-off in Treasury yields. So, 10-year Treasuries are now 3.65%, roughly. That actually brings them back to the highest, um, not, not only is that five straight days of yield increases over there, that also puts 10-year um, yields at the highest since about mid-March, so sort of the, the early stages of the of the banking crisis over there. So, I've seen quite a bit of a bit of a rebuild in, um, in, in Treasury yields there over the past few sessions. Yeah. Just one interesting fact, just uh, dipping back to, to Australian employment, and just how much leeway there is, how much room there is to uh, to move. It's interesting when you look at the participation rate, isn't it? I saw this in a, in a NAB chart yesterday. Australia is just below 67%. The US below 63%. Uh, the UK not much more than that. But New Zealand climbing up to 72% participation rate this year so we've got more people you know in the workforce working in the many parts of the world but compared to new zealand well you know there's lots of slack yeah there has been i mean new zealand's participation rate was incredibly high even pre-pandemic and has managed to to sort of jump back to, to even higher levels post i mean our our colleagues in bnz one of the economists over there likes to describe the job market in new zealand as you know people who don't want jobs being pulled off the streets and and thrown into in, into well-paying um well well well-paying low-skilled work so um yeah we're not seeing just sort of a creep back to those sort of levels here mm. um and i guess part of yeah part of the factor too is that um yeah new zealand's sort of migration has swung around to being um to be, to be sort of decent inbound migration over there a lot of those people are coming in with jobs so that's that's definitely helping boost the the part rate over there too i don't think the econ team here sort of really has expectations that we'll start to see a part rate jump up into the into the low 70s but but that dynamic of um of immigrants coming in and most of them coming into work that is a um that that is a big factor in australia here as well you know we've seen job ads job ads job, job ads here have come off and you know the employment data yesterday notwithstanding for the most part you haven't seen um you haven't seen the outcome of that being fewer people in work it would seem to be just mostly a case that um yeah the rebounding level supply is being absorbed so far Right. And immigration certainly part and parcel of the future for New Zealand as well. And, you know, in a, in a good and bad way in that it could could add to the inflation concerns there. We had the budget yesterday. They're forecasting one uh, percent growth in GDP helped by tourism and all the work rebuilding after the storms that they've had. But of course, that adds to uh, that spending adds to inflation pressures and higher immigration could make it worse as well. And, you know, all that plus more spending by the government. So that quite an upward revision in, in, in the bond program and extra four billion in uh, government debt being sold over the next 12 months and a warning from the s&p that the, you know carry on like this and all this debt could force down uh, pressure on the sovereign rating for, for for new zealand so there's been a a warning shot fired by s&p yeah and certainly it, it does there is sort of a lot of counterpoints to the australian budget in that new zealand budget yesterday and um, particularly um 
you know, the warning from S&P off, off the back of the budget related not only to the, the sort of the scope of, of deficits being being projected over there, which are a little bit higher, but also mostly focusing on their uh, you know, on their current account deficit, which is obviously an area that, that's that's very different to to Australia. Yeah, so I think S&P hasn't put them on a, on a credit watch or anything at this point, but certainly there was a bit there was quite a strong warning shot in that note, and I guess more more broadly, um, you know. Slightly expansionary budget. Um, you know, the RBNZ did maybe warn is probably too strong a word, but the RBNZ at least did did offer some observations pre-budget that um, sort of significant fiscal expansion significant fiscal expansion would be countered by them. And you know, on the back of that, the budget has been a, a significant factor in helping our uh, BNZ colleagues you know, revise their RBNZ projections upward a bit. So they've now added another rate hike to their to their expectations since the budget. So now looking for the cash rate there to get to to five point seven. So, not as high as some of those other um, some of those other houses that have been mentioned on the podcast earlier in the week, but certainly sort of following the same theme. And the um, yeah the, the, the bond issuance projections uh, there are quite strong increases there as well, yeah. which, um, which which could weigh on New Zealand relative yields a little bit. You're not a huge amount, but um, but it, it can make a difference. Right, and uh, the U.S. labour market. So the the weekly jobless claims number sh- showed actually that jobless claims fell back down again last week, two hundred forty two thousand against two hundred fifty four expected. But then counter to that, we had the Philly Fed Manufacturing Index, uh, which showed a higher than expected fall in the employment component, even though uh, almost everything else was a a little bit better than expected. So uh, mixed numbers coming out, as usual, (laughs) coming out of the US overnight. Yeah, and even if you sort of sit back and compare that Philly Fed number to the Empire State number early in the week, we had a surprise um, collapse in the, in the headline index at the, at the Empire State. Now we've seen a surprise improvement in the headline index in Philly Fed. So those two continuing to, to tag team each other on a, on a monthly basis for the most part. Um, so it's a bit hard to read. No wonder we're confused. Into, well, yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, so we probably need to sort of yeah, be looking at taking longer on averages of the numbers there. But certainly the the um, yeah the, the employment subindices there are, are telling a little bit of a story. And I think um, yeah, jobless claims as well. I mean, if we've just called the Australian monthly print a lottery. I mean, if you add in sort of the broadening discussion about potential fraudulent claims in the US, um, you know, Massachusetts was the one that started to to put up flags. Last week or the, or the week before, in, the, in in their data, um, Kentucky has been added to that now as well. So, um, as in, they're they're talking about investigating fraudulent claims there too. So yeah, so so starting to see some analysis stripping out Massachusetts data from the national data, which um, shows a a substantial decline in jobless claims recently, which once again doesn't necessarily mesh with what we're seeing and, and hearing in terms of layoffs and stuff. So the truth may well be somewhere in the middle, and I guess we need to see um, yeah, where these where these fraudulent claims expectations land. Well, do you know what? Be- before, before we became so preoccupied with, you know, what exactly the employment situation was, these weekly numbers really weren't given a great deal of credence, were they? It's just we, when we became desperate for, you know, as close to real-time information as we could get, that's when we started to pay more attention to them. So uh, I, I, we've never seen this being particularly reliable in the past, so maybe we, we, we just need to be reminded of that. But going back to the, the Philly Fed, the interesting thing uh, there, or the, the worry, I guess, but again, just one survey, but prices paid, that was up. Uh, to 10.9 from 8.2. It was expected to fall a little, but instead it rose quite a bit. So that's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, once again, you know, is is this sort of supply-side stuff pressure starting to come back? I mean, against the the rest of sort of the the totality of data, it's 
it's probably hard to it's probably hard to extrapolate that too much at, at this point. So yeah, it, it, it's a data point, but I, but I'm not um, I'm, I'm hardly seeing those being too fearful at, the, at this point. All right, let's look at let's look at what the Fed's and, and home uh, home sales as well t- uh, took a hit in April, down three point four percent month on month. Mm, maybe rising interest rates has got something to do with that. What do you reckon? I, uh, let's I'd suggest uh, so. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> let's have a look at what Fed speakers are saying. So Laurie Logan from the Dallas Fed, who is a a voting member this year, she's been speaking, uh, saying the data that we've been seeing lately doesn't warrant pausing rates just yet. Philip Jefferson has been saying uh, whilst inflation is is too high, he wants to to see the impact of rate hikes so far and where they're taking the economy, which would suggest that he's expecting a a pause. So, you know, another day, another set of mixed uh, speeches by Fed members giving us no clear direction from the Fed. Yeah, and you can add into those comments as well. Um, the, the, the FT's got some comments from James Bullard, you know, the sort of renowned hawk at the St. Louis Fed, um, who I don't believe is a voter actually, but um, but still, you know, he's he's long had the view that the cash rate needs to get to 6%. He's talking about the current 5% level as being sort of the, the low end of... Of, of where it needs to be, so he's still maintaining. He's still sort of beating the hawkish drum there, but um, but even so, even even from him, you know, you're still sort of talking. You know, maybe a few more hikes from the others. You're talking maybe one or two more hikes. So clearly, the, the message that we're nearly there is we're nearly there, or maybe even almost there is that, that, that that's reasonably consistent. And I guess the other thing too is that you know I, I think what they probably have in mind um, in terms of their issues with. Market pricing may well not be the peak. It's probably more still those really substantial cuts that are that are being priced to come. You know, beyond July. So, and that's sort of still where I see the, the biggest room for for market pricing for rates to you know, to, to, to be impacted to see some of those um, see some of those cuts, yes, priced out. Now, I guess the the big number today is going to be Japan's CPI, isn't it? So the the, the headline rate has been coming down, of course, but uh, in March, the, taking out food and energy, it was. 3.8%. I think that's the number to watch, isn't it? That excluding food and energy number. I mean, if you look at uh, where it was in March last year, it's, it's pretty much where it was negative. I mean, it's pretty much a straight line of growth since then. So it wouldn't be surprising to see it going up again. And yet Governor Ueda is still saying, you know, it's going to fall below 2%. Inflation is going to fall below 2% later in the year. Yeah, I think the um, yeah, the consensus for that, for that X fresh food and energy number is you know, is above 4 for today. So uh, 42 actually. So, yeah, continuing increases there. I mean, interestingly, you know, I think the the market has been sort of sort of pushing for a for a more hawkish bodge at various points over the over the past six months, and the, those pressures just aren't particularly acute at the moment. Your ten year JGB yields are sub 0.4, so well within well within the band. So, yeah, look, it's it's an important number to to watch in terms of what it's going to mean for the bodge going forward you know they're sort of just as we're waiting on wage price oh sorry wages setting processes to go through in australia before seeing what that might what the RBA might do for that that process is sort of very nearly at its end in japan as well so um yes that, that's the other sort of key key forward looking thing to watch there so yeah. but yeah that, that's an important number to keep an eye well, on well it's otherwise it's sort of like mainly second tier stuff today isn't it we get canada's retail sales the new zealand trade balance the UK's a consumer lack of confidence survey and then more Fed speakers. So Jerome Powell and Ben Bernanke. What? Remember him? Uh, they're speaking on a panel together tonight. And New York's uh, John Williams are speaking at the Monetary Policy Research Conference in Washington. And uh, uh, the ECB's Christine Lagarde is on a panel at the Brazil Central Bank Conference as well. So, uh, 
More central bank speakers adding more confusion to the picture. Quite, quite possibly. Uh, yeah, and I think the, the the power speech is sort of the the main one to keep an eye on. Obviously, he does. Uh, he is chairman of the Fed. That 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 helps. But um, with all these sort of not say conflicting views, but this sort of a lot of difference in the nuance being expressed by other FOMC members over the past few days, we need to see what the what, what the bosses take on that is. So. And whether, whether he can uh, jawbone 10 year yields any higher than they have been for the past two months. <laughs> the general direction is certainly up, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Okay. Very good. Thanks, Ken. Uh, we'll catch you again soon. Good to have you on. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And that's the morning call for today and for the week. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again on Monday morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. <laughs>